Imagine this, you're in your late 20s, early 30s, growing a company, it's starting to grow quickly, but it's 2005, 2006, 2007, and you're in the mortgage space. That's what happened with Brad Rice, our next guest. He was growing a mortgage company aggressively in the early 2000s, and then the recession came, and he took some lumps. He had to unwind the company, get recentered, figure out what he wanted to do moving forward. Now, fast forward a couple of years, Brad was able to found his own mortgage company again, build that back up, bring in the trusted people from his previous operation, and two, found a tech company called HomePie which really takes the complexity out of selling and buying a home. So I love this conversation. We brought Brad on. He's the founder because it got real. We talked about, hey, what's it like to be a solo founder? What's it like to balance fundraising and being an operator? You know, What's it like going out there? How do you handle stress? How do you handle anxiety as a founder? So this one had a lot of insight and I think you'll enjoy it, especially if you own your own company or you're looking to start your own company, this could be the one for you to listen to. But before we get into it, as always, we've been on the show here at Cave. We're a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that helps companies grow. We do it primarily through content on social media and ads on social media. So if you need help with either of those, head over to cavesocial.com. We'd love to help you out. All right, sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. What's going on, my marketing people? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, I'm sitting with Brad Rice. He is the founder and CEO at HomePie and Amerifund. Brad, how you doing? I'm very good today, Jordan. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on. You are one of the few solo founders that we've had on the show. So I'm always interested to kind of dive into that world and show people kind of the other side of the coin, what that looks like, you know, growing a company and taking it and scaling it. But before we do that, I want to hear your story. How did you start, come up with the idea for HomePie? Walk me through your journey, you know, as an entrepreneur in your career and what brought you to, you know, starting this product. Right on. Happy to do that. You know, thanks again for having me on, Jordan. I was excited to meet you here and be able to talk to your audience. Yeah, my story really dates back to coming right out of college in the early 90s. I got my real estate license through the classes at college and really didn't know what I wanted to do next with it. But after doing some research and talking to people, and I was actually going through buying my first home, I realized that the mortgage side was something that I had draw to. So Ultimately, I got into the mortgage business. I was an originator. Of course, that was during a time pre-computer, pre-internet, pre-email. So a lot of uh, really cool things that I did around, you know, just direct mail and taking postage envelopes directly to the post office in bulk and that sort of thing. So really cut my teeth doing everything sales related. Wound up uh, doing really well and ultimately started my own company at the end of the 90s and grew that into a 43-state lending operation. So very big company. We did wholesale retail mortgage. We were writing our own products, selling it to Wall Street. I mean, it was a, a great company. I was in the process of selling that company when the recession hit. And so that was a big reset button for me. I had a pretty big team. We had corporate property. We had all sorts of things. And it took a few years to unwind that. During that time, though, when I was growing the company, I also had a, a real estate brokerage. I had an escrow company, a real estate investment firm. So really all things real estate. And when I started working again after cleaning up that mess, it was a natural for me to just get back into the mortgage business. So, you know, for the, the decade ensuing that, after that fallout, I started to recruit back some of my key personnel, kept things really small, boutique-y. 
you know, a, a lot of my current employees for my mortgage company have been with me for more than 20 years. So really neat. We're like a family. And then my kids started to exit my house. <laughs> so I was really thinking about what are my next steps here? You know, what's the next big thing? I still, you know, spry, still ready to do something. And just started to think more broadly about uh, the market, not just limited to mortgage. And if you're a loan originator for any period of time, you know that you've helped people facilitate a transaction, a purchase or a sale transaction without the use of a real estate agent. You just, it's part of your work. You know, people come to you that know each other, a landlord, tenant, you know, family members, whatever it is, and you plug in the ingredients. You bring in escrow title, you help them with a contract, and you walk them through the process because you've got the experience. And so I really started to think more about that and how technology had really improved over the course of the last you know, five to 10 years, and that we could probably do something that didn't exist. And this is in about early 2018 when I started thinking about it. So I started to talk to some customers. We have a large database of 25,000 past customers and started to reach out to those that had used agents, those that hadn't, those that were selling, those that were buying. And I found there were three things that really were the biggest pain points for those involved in buying or selling real estate. The number one really resonates with most people, and that is that they didn't feel the commission they paid was commensurate with the work being done. So it's always been that there's a percentage of the sales price that you pay, you know, whether it's 5% or 6%, it used to be six, you know, probably the average now, especially in California is 5%, you know, and there's discounts lower than that uh, with current disruptive models. But, you know, if somebody's selling a $200,000 home or a $2 million home, the question really is, does it really require 10 times the amount of work? And most people would say, no, it doesn't. So the commission side was something I felt, you know, again, early 2018, this is just as the iBuyers started to hit the market. And I could define that for you if you want. But, you know, the disruption had just begun. And I says, okay, well, that definitely we could solve for using technology. The second was the communication was very lagged. And, you know, when you have to talk to your agent who then talks to the other agent and then talks to the other party and comes back through that process, you know, it's something that takes days or even longer in some cases if, you, if parties can't be reached. And, you know, when you're in that process and you found a home you really love, you don't want something to take days to get an answer for it. So communication. I said, okay, we can solve for that. And the third thing that uh, was prominent uh, for those pain points was the complexity of the process. So, you know, just those that had been through it felt like they never knew what was going to happen next. They didn't know the roadmap to, you know, what was needed at what point in time, releasing contingencies, inspections, you know, signing documents. So oh, I'm all packed up. I got to go find something else, you know, things of that nature. And so, you know, I just felt like I'm not a techie founder, by the way. Yes, I am a sole founder. I'm not a tech founder either. I don't really have a tech background, but very operational. And when I had my large mortgage company, we had built the software hiring developers that we ran the company on. So I was familiar with that process. So, you know, what, we could solve for this. And that's really where the idea came from for HomePie was we thought we would create a marketplace, you know, similar to that of say Auto Trader, where you can buy and sell cars from, you know, individuals, but a marketplace for real estate that centralized and brought all these, you know, air quotes for sale by owner properties into one place, but then help them to facilitate the transaction in an easy step-by-step -step manner that would then reduce the cost of buying and selling and do it in a way where we could roadmap for them so that they knew exactly what was needed at any point or any stage in the process. 
and that's what we started to put together. We started that in 2019. I love it. So taking those lessons, right, and saying, okay, how do we take the complexity out of the transaction, ultimately make it easier for the consumer? Now, through that, right, you've got the product, you've got it built, you start transactions, they start coming through, you go, okay, dang, this thing's working. People need it. It's saving people you know, money and significant amounts of money. I want to fast forward to today. And you got it going. Now you've got you know, proof of concept, right? You, you see it working. Now the next mission, and we talked a little bit off air, you, you got to scale this thing. So I want to now know, one, I kind of guess like, what's the plan to scale? And then two, with that and growing a team and you know, going out in fundraising, how are you balancing both being an operator, like you said, but then two, fundraising and handling and making sure that, hey, we're getting that cash into the company and giving more air you know, so this thing can start to grow. How are you really balancing? I'd love to hear. Honestly, that is a great question, Jordan. So I would tell you this. First of all, what you said is correct. We launched, we went live, we saw some great traction, very little money spent. We've been very prudent with the money that we've collected from investors. I've uh, bootstrapped a bunch myself, but really kept the team small, really effective, people with super domain knowledge. And so the idea was really to test our theory. We had already spoken with people who said, hey, yeah, this is something we want, but would they actually use it? Would it actually work? And so that's what we've done since we launched the product in 2020 is really tested it out. And we have now closed hundreds of transactions and it is not a small amount of money that we've saved people. We've saved people almost $3 million in commissions. And we're talking about some sellers that have saved fifty, sixty thousand dollars that they would have otherwise paid for commission. But we've also learned a lot. And so this process has really given us some insight into whether our theories were correct or not, and is, have helped us, and I'm not going to call it pivot, but definitely adjust what we originally launched and the original vision and mission of the product has morphed a bit. And the reason for that is that we definitely have proven that sellers that want to commit, and not, this isn't for every seller, right? Every seller, you know, there are some that don't have the time that, you know, have lots of money. They don't care about paying the commission. They, you know, the time is more valuable, things of that nature. And people that just aren't willing to take the personal responsibility of it. There's all sorts of reasons somebody would not want to sell their own home. And then there's a ton that they would, right? People love saving money. And most people need money. They need money to get into their next home. They need money to get into retirement. Circling back, we've definitely proven that a seller can sell their home using our software that we've created, this step-by-step kind of process, similar to, say, TurboTax of filing complex tax returns. That's what we've done is democratized real estate with that process. And happy to get into a little bit more about the details of it. But what we learned, though, is that buyers, by and large, 70% of buyers use a real estate agent. So 30% of our sales have occurred peer-to-peer with no agent altogether, but 70%, they've already started working with an agent, the agent's helping them. And honestly, what we learned is that the value, the huge value that a real estate agent brings on the buyer side is neighborhood knowledge. If you're moving and you're moving out of the area you grew up in, out of the area you've lived in for years and you know you know, what side of the tracks to, you know, to move into or what neighborhood has kids your age, you know, whatever it is. That's great. But you start to get out of that into this society that we are now where people are really pulling stakes and moving across the country. That's a really difficult process to do online, to Google, you know, neighborhood information. You know, there's, of course, school information and, and crime, but it's not, it's not easy. So 
the value the real estate agent brings in the transaction on the buyer's side is really that domain neighborhood knowledge. And as such, we've invited those agents into the platform. So we've made it really easy. What we've done is consolidated seller direct sales. So these for sale by owner properties into one place, given the market additional inventory that wasn't otherwise available. If you didn't know how to find it, real estate agents typically know how to find those sellers, but just to solicit them for their listings. But now we've brought them to the forefront and then given a portal to those sellers for these agents. And so we have morphed the product into something that has invited not only buyers in and of themselves, but their agents to represent them through the process. And when we did that, here's what we learned. Those agents love what we created, the software we created for the offer negotiation of buying a property that automatically produces a purchase contract. So We've taken something that, again, takes days to respond, takes, you know, signing, uploading, you know, sending over, emailing, you know, whatever method to get these negotiations back and forth, taken everything out of it that's not statutory, that's not required by law, and have created a real-time system where that negotiation takes place offer, counteroffer, that whole process until it's everything's agreed to. And then it automatically populates one clean purchase contract that gets e-signed in line. And those agents have loved it. So we're at the inflection point right now where, just as you said, I am now ready to raise the funds necessary. We've proven the product. We've got our market fit. Now we need to push it out there and we need to do it in a lot of different ways. One, to support the HomePie marketplace, but also to support the process where we can get this out in the hands of real estate agents, of real estate brokerages, and make it easier for the transaction to take place using our software. And so, yeah, my time now is spent fundraising, which isn't the most pleasant thing. I don't really enjoy it. Something I never did before HomePie. I'd much rather work on the product, but there's a balancing act there. And I would tell you that when fundraising is necessary, it takes up the majority of my time. And I just have to put the product and my confidence in my team to continue to work on it so that our visions are aligned. And they've done a great job of doing that. I mean, I just have a terrific team that really takes, you know, we take our meetings and our discussions about what we need to do with the product and they make it happen without me having to be involved at every moment. I love it. And I like this, right? It's really enabling the do-it-yourself generation. The same thing with someone who goes to Expedia or goes and starts to book their own travel and figure everything out. They say, hey, you know, I don't want to pay that fee to the travel agent. I can do a lot of this myself and all the information's all there. And then on the other hand of that is finding ways to become an ally to the realtor and understanding that, hey, the consumer is driving this car, right? And where they go is where we need to be and where you need to be. And then finding ways to aid them as well. So I love that. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and get maybe introspective a little bit, but more so you now as a solo founder, right? Where do you go to bounce ideas off, to vent, to get strategies to? Are you part of like a, you know, an entrepreneurial organization? Do you have investors you talk to? Like walk me through. I, I want to just kind of know about your experience being in the driver's seat, you know, alone, really, because a lot of people who start companies have a co-founder that they can really, you know, for lack of a better term, shoot the shit with, you know, how do you handle that part of being a business owner? Yeah, Jordan, another great question. It probably is more difficult for most people to be a sole founder. Of course, you know, there are challenges with partnerships, right? 
and partnerships are like marriages. You know, a lot of them end in divorce. You know, people grow apart. So you do avoid a bit of that where, where the visions aren't aligned and there's arguments or maybe there's inequities in the amount of time invested and things of that nature. So from that perspective, it's good. But, you know, especially with a giant idea like HomePie is, where there's a lot at stake and you're taking an outside investment capital, there's a giant burden that you're not able to share with anybody at the same level as having a co-founder, right? Somebody that's there right next to you, you know, looking at the books, looking at the runway, looking at, you know, the expenditures, looking at, you know, timelines and things of that nature. You know, that really, that all that information rests solely on me as the sole founder, you know, I definitely have great advisors on my advisory board that I can, you know, run ideas off of, get input on. They're available to me. They have a vested interest. They have the same vision of, of where we're headed, but it's not to the same level or degree as my involvement. So it is much more difficult for me. I do talk to them. I talk to my staff, those that are working with me, we're very, very close. So I try to share and be as transparent with them as possible. I don't want them to be concerned or wor- or worried about things. I want us to be completely aligned so they're experiencing what I am without having to have them panic. And then I've got, you know, fortunately, I have some really great investors that reach out to me weekly and we talk about things and they try to help. And I've got my staff from my mortgage company who, that's an existing company that, you know, is a profitable company that helps out when I need them. So I do have a really nice circle to tap into. But honestly, as a sole founder, the burden at this stage when, you know, we're really pre-revenue and we've got a, a runway that's burning, you know, all of that burden really is on me. And it does create anxiety at times. How do you manage? How do you, are there ways, are you, you know, is it exercise? Is it reading? Is it meditation? Like, is it self-talk? Like, how do you manage that? Because I'm sure there's somebody listening who's probably feeling that anxiety and is like looking for ways, you know, to help manage. So I'd love to hear how you do it. Yeah. For me, it's always been exercise. And so I look to get a balance in my life with just I make sure that I carve out a portion of my day every day to exercise. So I try to stay really healthy and that helps me to keep my mind clear. It helps me to sleep. Sleep's so important. So for me, that outlet really is exercise and it's also family. Like we do a lot as a family with my kids, my wife. I'm not putting pause on my life for the business. You know, life is way too short for that. So I'm one that kind of plans you know, weekend getaways. I plan things I do with my wife. You know, we go out to eat, we enjoy friends and things of that nature. And so all those things that I do that are outside of work really help me to keep that balance and avoid a lot of the anxiety. I think that others that maybe, you know, work 20 hours a day and, you know, never get out of their own heads with business may have difficulty with. But that balance really gives me perspective as well. It makes it really easy for me to go through decision making when I know that, you know, life is still good. Life is still, I'm still enjoying life while I'm spending time trying to build something that has such a big mission like HomePie. And it's one of those things too, right? Where like having experience going through the recession, taking lumps and coming out on the other side and being like, okay, I'm still here. My kids still love me. Like things are okay. Like there's still food. Like, yes, is it stressful? 
100%. I'm not trying to trivialize that, but I'm still here. I can still grow. I can still have another chance at this thing. I can still build another company. I can build it. Like, so now, at least you know, for myself, I always have those moments of like, I tell my staff all the time, I'm like, guys, it's just marketing. Like, it's just social media. There are bigger things. Your job is not you. Your job is what you do. You can be proud of it. You can do a great job, but like you have to go and, and spend time with your family. You have to go and do things. You know, it's just because, as you said, life is too short. So I'm with you there. By the way, you're spot on, Jordan. That I think going through that process when I lost my large company and I wasn't able to achieve, you know, cash in on it like I had wanted to when I was in my 20s building that thing in my 30s, that gave me really great life perspective. And I think going through that has given me the tenacity and the ability to have you know, to take a step back from things, even when things seem dire and go, okay, at some point I'm going to get through this anyway. So let's just focus on the positive. I actually came up with something years back and I have a, my license, I have a personalized license plate that says this as well. So, you know, years ago, this probably goes back now, maybe 13, 14 years ago, I started to think about like just life, the amount of time that we spend on earth on average. And I said, you know, I'm probably about halfway through my ability in life to do what I want, when I want, be healthy, you know, that sort of thing. You know, I was, I was about 40, I think. And I thought, you know, if I doubled and I'm 80, am I going to be able to do those things that I do today or even in my 50s or 60s? And so I came up with this term called the downward slope. And so I'm like, you know what? I bet you I'm on the downward slope of life. And so I need to live life every day. There's not a day that goes by that I shouldn't live it, like really live life. I shouldn't be so stressed out that I'm not. And that was a big part of also exercising. I just, I want to be around to enjoy it. And so that has become a real mantra for me that I think about and I see, you know, I've got things in my house that say downward slope on it and that sort of thing. All my friends know, you know, we've got when we go out and do things, you know, we, it's talked about all the time. And so I think that that really is something that has helped a lot as well as just thinking about the putting into perspective the amount of time you're here and not getting so wrapped up in negative things that you can't really live and enjoy life. Oh, I'm with you. I say this all the time and it gets people, it's along the same wavelength, but I go, look, 150 years from now, we're all dust in the ground. So let's enjoy this experience. Let's be here because we're we're not here very long. And then, yeah, I get into the deep end of the memento mori. Like you could leave at any time. So you should, it's essentially saying carpe diem, right? But like, really, you have to live. And I'm with you on that. And I think it's important for people who are so career driven, which I'm career driven, you know, you're career driven and it's good to be career driven, but it can't be everything. And you can't sacrifice the things outside to, you know, quote unquote, make it because it really, like you said, life is just too short and things will hit you like a ton of bricks if you prioritize career over everything. So Brad, I I love hearing that. Thanks for sharing that. I like the downward slope. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. For anybody who wants to learn about HomePie, where should they head? They can go to HomePie.com. I mean, literally everything's there. And if you want to reach out to us, we're not one of those tech companies that you can't reach anybody. So just jump into the chat there and you know, we'll call you, you can call us, but we're always available and we help people literally every day that reach out to us. So yeah, go in. I mean, look, this is going to be the future of real estate. There has to be a place where people can interact directly with each other in a really easy way. I'd love for your listeners to go on and check out our journey and be a part of that. 
You guys got it. Head over to homepie.com. Check that out. I'll also put uh, links to that in the show notes page so you can go over there and check it out. Brad, thanks again for coming on the show. I appreciate it, man. Right on. Thanks, Jordan. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I will catch you next time.